Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Talk Recorded live. Hello, hello. I apologize for a little uh, glitch there in the matrix today, but uh, <laughs> I believe we're good and ready to rock. Oh, how is everyone today? Doing good, Mark. Hey, Mark. Hi. Good, Brandon. Hi, Brandon. Who else is with oh. us? <laughs> I'm kind of, I'm okay. I just kind of woke up. This is Martha, sorry. You just kind of woke up? Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Do you want us to give you a second while you go jog around the block or something? <laughs> Throw water on your face? Okay. <laughs> no, I'm okay. Cool. All right. So we have uh, Mark, we have Martha, we have Brandon, we have... Uh, is Soki on the line? Yes, I'm here. Hi, Soki. Is Jennifer on the line? Jen O'Brien. I'm sure she'll be calling in in just a moment. And uh, Zach Gower. We are missing Zach and Jennifer. All good sure that they'll call in any second. All right, well, let us begin this process of going inward. So we invite everyone to get comfortable, take a sip of water if that will help you, and let's start by simply taking a few deep breaths in. Inhale and exhale. Breathe in and out, gently allowing your focus to just drop onto your breath. And it just lightly stays on your breathing. We follow the stream of breath in through the nose or mouth. We follow it through the throat or the nasal passages as it fills up our lungs. And we breathe. We gently allow our thinking to quiet. In your mind's eye, you can picture a large dial, like the kind on a stereo system. And whenever the voices are prominent, 
you can just imagine yourself turning the dial to the left, turning it to the left as the voice is quiet and cease. And we breathe. I invite you to bring your tongue to the tip of your mouth, I mean to the roof of your mouth. With your eyes closed, gently bring your gaze up to your third eye. You can do this by imagining you're looking off in the distance at a sunrise over the ocean. So you're just looking into the distance and up a little bit. Quieting the mind. Gazing upward, focusing on the breath. Right here, we take a deep breath in, deep breath in, filling up our lungs, and we continue to take a breath in, all the way in until we, can, until we can't take any more, and then we squeeze our root lock, so we squeeze our, the sex organs, the anus, we squeeze it tight, and then opening up your jaws, you exhale all that air out. Ah. And one more time, deep breath in, all the way in, 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 in. Now get a little more air, a little more air, squeeze that root lock. Bring in a little more air, squeeze the root lock. Open up the jaw and exhale. And then let all the air out. Keep letting it out without breathing in. Let it out and hold it out. Hold it out. Hold it out. And one more time. Deep breath in. Deep breath in. Hold it. Squeeze the root lock. Bring in a little more air. Fill the lungs to capacity. 
and exhale. And one more, just a normal deep breath, and this is our breath of gratitude. So grateful, so thankful for the opportunity to be the two or more who are coming together with a shared intention to experience a greater awareness of love in, as, and through our life, in our community, on this planet, as this planet. So we offer up right now any blocks that might prevent an awareness of love's presence in our lives. Worry, doubt, fear, shame, regret, thoughts of limitation, lack. Yes. Places in our life where we are comparing ourselves to other people, where we are berating ourselves, belittling ourselves, beating up ourselves, we just let it all go. Let go of the exhaustion that comes from self-judgment and judgment of others, which is really just self-judgment. And we just lean into the natural energy that's available through love, through self-love. Breathing in. Breathing out and resting in our divinity. Declaring the truth of who we are. Perfect extensions of perfect love. Children of God. All the spiritual qualities of the divine are pre-installed, active, activated within us. As we release these blocks that no longer serve our commitment to live in life, that no longer serve our divine contract, we develop a more acute awareness of our divinity. We have the space to see more clearly our true nature. We're grateful. So grateful. And knowing it for ourselves, we know it for all. So we share this high vibrational medicine with the collective. We send it out into the interwebs. We dedicate this practice to all those who still suffer. May we all find peace. May we all live in the light. May we all recognize our own light, the light, the only light. We release this word. We let it be. So it is. Amen, amen, amen. So just take a moment to stretch. Lift your hands above your head and just reach up high. Wiggle your fingers and your toes, just energizing your body a little bit. And I would like to uh, open up the uh, group for some for some sharing. And uh, the topic today is what I've learned in my practitioner course. So 
so far? What are your big takeaways, the highlights, the best of? And um, I'm going to go ahead and just open the group up. And if you feel inspired, please share. Make me nervous. Sorry, okay, there it is. <laughs> <laughs> Can you repeat yourself again? Yeah, the question is, what have you learned so far in your class? What are your highlights, your big takeaways? Okay. okay. So next person, go ahead. The one that I interrupted, sorry. Well, why don't you go first? <laughs> what I've learned? I've learned responsibility. I think I'm a lot more conscious now of my thoughts, even though before I was sometimes. I'm more so now. I think I've become a little bit more patient with the patients that I deal with on a daily basis on the phone. The way I um, I answer the phone, the way I speak, because and it's a big and I notice how um, what I put out, how it comes back to me. It seems like if I'm like really calm, they tend to kind of meet me there, and it's a smoother call. Uh, I've gotten more like uh, bless you kind of thing at the end. And um, just responsibility as far as my happiness. Um, I think I'm just done. Done blaming anyone else for it. And um, which I knew it at, like I said, at certain levels, but now it's like, it's just in my face, like, no, you know, I know that it's me, and um, I think I'm just, I know, I am more willing to work for the type of life that I want, and I have a better understanding of how, like we, like in the books, how prayer works, because I was still, you know, in that mentality of asking for certain things in prayer which now I know why a lot of our prayers weren't answered. And so for me, that's been a big change. Why? Why weren't they answered? Why, were they, why weren't they answered? Uh-huh. Because I was still, well, because I felt disconnected from God at a certain level where I wasn't accepting that he was within me and that the power were that, like Jesus said, you know, and I've heard that a thousand times, that if we just knew who we were and accepted who we were, we would have the power to move mountains. But I didn't believe it in me. I still felt like, well, Jesus is different than me. Where now I know that is so. So, so what were your experiences? Like, like what were the results that you would experience from your old way of praying before uh-huh or well before it i mean i would pray and um the praying gave me some peace but then it was like well it's not meant to be and i didn't know any better mm-hmm. or maybe i wasn't good enough and that's uh-huh. why 
it didn't come to be. Where now it's like I know that everything that happens or what I put out there to begin with, it's for my own good. But at the same token, I'm an active participant in what is happening or will will happen. So I know that I will get different results, but I also know that, you know, there is a plan and, like you said, without expectations, I can put it out there, but I'm willing and understand that there's uh, a certain law that it works a certain way and that it is for everybody. So I am in that everybody. We're all together in it. So I have a question. Um, Mm -hmm. If uh, when you pray for something specific, what are you actually declaring? Like if you're asking, begging or beseeching is what we often call it, you know. Uh, if you're begging and beseeching in your prayer, okay, let's say, uh, you know, um, it's for, let's just use a, a, an example. Let's say um, it's for a car or something like that, okay? <laughs> God, please, I want this car. I need this car. I don't have a car. And um, people aren't taking me seriously because they don't have a car and I'm always late and <laughs> unhappy because they don't have this car. Now, what are you actually praying for? What are you actually affirming? The lack of it. The lack of uh-huh. Exactly. So, you're actually declaring, I don't have God. I don't have, I don't have, I don't have. Mm-hmm. And now that we are clear about affirmative prayer, and that we create what it is that we are, what we believe, can you look back at the prayers that you did before and realize actually all your prayers have been answered? Mm-hmm. Prayers are always answered. Okay. It's just we, we just think that prayers aren't answered because we're asking for something and we're not getting what we want. But in reality, mm-hmm. what we're doing is we're declaring our lack. And so we create a deeper experience of not having. And so really, your prayer has been answered. Does that make sense? That was good. Yes, thank you. Yeah, so prayers are always, always, always answered. It's just developing mindfulness for what it is we're actually praying for. And, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, when you see it that way and when you have the, these tools and you have like this ex- these experiences, you're like, oh, wow, okay. <laughs> so what am I really interested in praying for? And then that's why we practice affirmative prayer. We just affirm what is. We're affirming what is and what always has been so that we can experience the good which is here, which is available to us. That even feels better to know that uh-huh. that my prayers have been answered. <laughs> uh-huh. Okay. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, who else would like to share? 
Hey, it's Brandon. Hey. Hi. Good morning. Thank you, Martha. That was really, really great. And as Jesse first opened the conversation up, I was like, not speechless based on my examples or whatever. Just like, you know, I felt like it was like a midterm. I'm like, how do I encapsulate everything that's happened? Because for me, a lot has shifted and I'm so grateful. So like Martha was saying, the law of cause and effect and law of attraction, those are always on my mind. And talking about them more in this group, talking about them as if they were actually living and breathing with, with every step of the way and not some ancient distant law, but some law that was like in in this moment I'm creating, in this moment I'm creating, in this moment I'm creating, and that is building up, you know, the life I want to live. And I'm basically standing on now the creation of my thoughts up until this point. And before when I, you know, read things but not really put in the practice for them, I would get frustrated. So, for instance, I would read a book about manifesting money or something like that. And then a week later, I would have an experience in which I felt lack of money. And I would get frustrated. So in that one, like, five-minute period, I'd be like, all right, uh, I am wealthy, I am wealthy, I am wealthy. And that was the right path, but but it was also just the beginning. And I, again, you know, this group is – priceless because of its ability to rein us back in week after week, sometimes day after day, um, midweek with prayers, and just rein us back in to the idea that this isn't, you know, a Sunday morning, you know, church thing. This is a daily living, breathing with your God, with the divine universe thing. And something you said in the very beginning which, you know, also took on a new meaning as it was practiced was kind of being an ambassador. And I really am conscious of every time I withhold a smile, withhold um, a thank you, don't look at someone in the eye. And I was even talking to someone last night about it, about who at the gym I've in the past would smile at and who at the gym I fearfully turned my eyes away because I didn't want them to think I was interested in them or picking up on them and where I was getting in the way of um, letting love love, uh, uh, flow through me and thus experiencing a block to love when I would ignore people's eye contact. So, it's been a really powerful journey for me, like to the point that even if I'm snippy for like one second in a customer service relationship, I've found myself needing to write that immediately because, um, you know, I'm looking at my life now as if it's under a magnifying glass. And it is because I'm watching my thoughts, which are manifesting my life and my higher power is watching my thoughts as it manifests my life. So every little thing matters in the same way that a celebrity would go into, uh, uh, you know, a McDonald's and can't cuss out the 
people behind the cash register because there's eyes on them. I experienced those eyes for myself, and I know immediately if I'm giving that out, ooh, I'm probably going to feel it immediately. It's not a karma thing. It's not a, I'm going to do that, and somewhere down the road, someone's going to do it back to me. It's immediate. It's as soon as I withhold love, it's withheld from me, point blank. So I'm changing. I Thank you so much for starting off with this. I talked to you about this last week. Um, so much is in this. And so I could just spend years <laughs> talking, like learning and like practicing this specifically with Ernest Holmes and New Thought and Science of Mind. Um, but it really has been a shift. And it's been a shift I couldn't have done without the group and without everyone. And even without, you know, you bring in Jennifer and her telling us like, and I'm sorry, I'm going on and on and on. That's why I was like hesitant in the beginning. But even when Jennifer said early on um, in one of her calls that you have to think the thought the majority of the time. So it, it, we can break it down to numbers. I can have this positive thought 51 times. And then I get a thought 50 times in a day and the positive will win because it's just, you know, you know, physics. And that made it so much more accessible to me. And it didn't make it this very strange cosmic idea of, uh, like I said, a distant law or ancient principle. So thank you. And I'm so excited for what's to come. Beautiful. I love your enthusiasm because uh, you're on fire. <laughs> I'm feeling it. <laughs> no, thank <Good>. you. <laughs> no, it's wonderful to have that that experience. You know, one um, well, the more know, I have that, I uh, it creates more of it, which is like I'm addicted to the law of attraction at this point. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I would say as well, law of projection. You know, because if it's all an extension, then it really is. You know, Jennifer talks about that a lot. She focuses more on the law of projection because what are you actually creating? You know, I think it feels like the law of attraction has the essence of what am I pulling into my world? But really, Mm -hmm. what are you creating? What are you projecting? What are you, you know, whatever. Um, Right. We often, you know, get stuck on the stuff, you know, the, oh, look at the stuff that I have manifested as a result of my changing my mind. I'm not saying this is what you do, Brandon. I'm just kind of speaking a general suite here. Uh, (laughs) So, um, but it's focusing, what Jacob calls, focusing on the fruit. We focus on the fruit that has grown as a result of the work. But oftentimes, people will just make it about the fruit. I got the job. I got the boyfriend. I got the whatever it is. And now I'm not going to do the work anymore. And then what happens is the fruit inevitably will begin to die. It's what fruit does. It loses its luster. It loses, you lose your interest. And we wonder, after we've stopped, you know, doing the work, which is, uh, you know, which has created all this fruit, why the fruit goes away and we're miserable. <laughs> because we, you know, we, it, it's a continuation. It's a continual 
process of removing the layers and removing more layers and peeling off the layers. And another thing I'd like to share, <clears throat> because oftentimes if you're listening to Brandon's enthusiasm and you're like, and you're like, well, why don't I feel like that? <laughs> like, in fact, it feels like it's gotten harder for me. Well, <clears throat> when we do that, when we begin this process, when we begin this work, a lot of times it feels like, and this is where we lose a lot of spiritual students. And so this is what I'm going to just say. We encourage everybody to move through it. Stay honest, continue to share. It's so important just to be authentic and share because it's such a, you know, common experience of you are developing a lot more awareness of your thinking. You're developing a greater awareness of how your thinking creates the experiences in your life. And with this new awareness, you begin to see, oh, my God, I'm thinking negative thoughts all the freaking time. And then you, there, oftentimes it feels like life gets harder. But it doesn't get harder. You're just more aware of it. You're even aware of the intricacies of it. So it's not that you're just getting harder. It's just that you're getting more clear. I'm going to invite everybody to uh, put your phone on mute just because there's some background noise. I don't want it to be a distraction. So, uh, so you become much more clear and mindful of your thinking. And then you see, like, my God, is this really? Do, that, have a, do I really think these negative thoughts this much of the time? My Jesus Christ. And then there comes that point of, you know, there is this, like, sort of this judgment or this, uh, you know, this need to sort of punish yourself or feel like you have to punish yourself because you're being judgy. I'm being, I'm being gossipy. I'm being this. I did that. I did that. When I really first, when I was really diving into this work years ago, I would go into, seriously, I would get depressed when I was judgmental or, or not acting or acting out of alignment with my uh, loving heart. And it would take me days to recover from it because it's like, what is up with you? Like, why would you do that? And you're ruining it. And now you're just creating experiences of blah, 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 Well, you know, it is so important for us as we develop these new awarenesses as we become more, uh, as it becomes more apparent where our thinking, where our thinking is a lot, what our thinking is aligned with, and and our patterns that we just weren't aware of until now, patterns that have been so ingrained in us for years and years and years and years that it's just going to take time to release them. The good news is. The healing process is much faster than the process that it took of developing these belief systems. So, you know, it's that analogy that you use when you walk into a dark room and you turn on the light. You know, the light, it doesn't take like five minutes for the light to shoo out the darkness. It just, the darkness is gone once you shine the light on it. So, the practice of compassion begins with ourselves. You know, the practice of knowing that we are extensions of perfect love, we just seem to have forgotten it. So we've identified with something else, and that's okay. It's very common, and to be gentle and loving with ourselves through this process of releasing that which no longer serves us and, uh, you know, new thought, putting new thoughts into our system, examining old beliefs, letting them go, 
and replacing them with with declarations of truth. So, so okay, we hear you. So, uh, yeah, so if it feels like it's getting harder, you're just becoming clearer. And I promise you that, you know, I, I like to play the game that there's, uh, that you can always find the answer to any question through a Mariah Carey lyric. Uh, and so, you know, if you can just make it through the rain, uh, on the other side of it is is uh, is a hero. <laughs> no, but if you, you know, work, walk through the, that dark night, if you work through the discomfort on the other side of it is growth and perspective, new uh, new muscles and new uh, tools to use. So let's keep going. Who else would like to share? This is Mark. Um, I'm not sure how I'm supposed to follow a Mariah Carey quote, but um, I will do my best. Um, So, first, I just wanted to say thank you so much to both Martha and Brandon. I kind of was saying yes, 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 as both of you were talking. So I think uh, a lot of what you shared, um, I similarly uh, am experiencing as well through this program. So uh, thank you. Um, you know, it, it's kind of interesting because I keep having these moments of um, kind of like having this weird connection with the readings and what we're talking about um, because I know it's, you know, I think at times we go through life and we have these ahas or these like, wow, I never saw it like that or this is a completely new concept. And for me, what's interesting is I feel like the more that we're reading, the more that we're talking, the less that I'm actually having that kind of reaction and the more I'm realizing this is stuff that I've always known. Um, And even stuff that I've known even before I really kind of quote-unquote started studying or reading this, because this all comes back to, you know, life. You know, it comes back to what's in front of us, has been in front of us since the day we were born. And we've had countless, infinite experiences over and over and over with this. And I think there's that inner part of us, I know there's that inner part of me that has always seen it, has always known it was there, um, but just wasn't really in practice with it or wasn't really doing something with it. Um, so for me, it's been interesting to, to really be consciously in this, this program and studying and looking at things and, and just being like, yeah, this has always been there. And, and now I guess I'm at a point where it's time for me to actually do something with the knowledge. Um, and for me, it, it feels so much more affirming to, to be doing something, not something that feels new to me, but to doing something that I feel has always been with me and has kind of been waiting for me to catch up with it. Um, so, so uh, you know, that, that's definitely one thing that has been interesting for me over these past few months. Um, prayer has definitely been um, a really significant shift for me as well. Um, I, quote, unquote, um, have always hated praying, um, 
kind of coming from Catholic background, um, prayer to me was always very indifferent um, and mechanical and never really was relevant, um, or I never emotionally experienced as that. And I was even resistant to it um, when we started praying um, in this program. But uh, the more that I've been doing it, the more that I've found a way to do it that really connects for me. Um, and, uh, you know, I'm seeing how um, it's almost, it's less the words that you're saying, and it's more the emotion that you're putting behind the prayer, how you're feeling into it. That really is what makes the difference, uh, both for yourself and for those you may be praying with or praying for. for. Um, so I'm, I'm connecting that in my prayer practice, is, is really feeling it more so than just saying it. Um, and I guess the last thing I'm, I'll just share quickly is um, shift in perspective. I kind of interesting because I everything you guys are saying I, I totally there in that you know law of attraction and you know why why are other people getting things that maybe I'm not getting and lack and what I don't have yet and I'm trying to get it and all that that conversation I've had on and off so many times throughout my life and. I don't know, just in the last few months, I've really started to just, almost subconsciously, but partly consciously, is just like shifting what I'm looking at. So instead of looking at the lack, I'm, I'm looking more so for the abundance, looking more so for the good. Um, I kind of been sharing in our support group each week that, you know, I, I'm kind of in a financial situation and I'm doing clients and I don't know how I'm going to pay my bills and all that, all that good stuff. You know, and I, I'm just really realizing when I look around my life and my world at the moment, regardless of the future, just if I'm looking right now, I'm in an amazing apartment that just expresses abundance to me. It's here right now. I've, I'm in an amazing community. I'm in an amazing program with you guys. That's all abundance. You know, I have a car. I, you know, I can pay my bills as of today. You know, and just starting to shift me focusing on the worries of what I may not have in the future and just really steeping into what I do have right here, right now. Um, it's just interesting how, again, so all of what we look for is always surrounding us, but if we're not paying attention to it or we're really not engaging it, then we're kind of missing it. And I, I feel like I'm starting, you know, not, I haven't mastered it yet, but I'm starting to kind of lean a little bit more into just really being more present and just really being with what is here right now because what is here right now is really what I'm looking for. I just haven't always realized that. So, so that's my share. Beautiful, Mark. Yeah, guys, you know, there's common um, experiences in all of our lives because we share, uh, you know, we're this is sort of our soul group, but also, you know, we're all American living in Southern California. Uh, we all uh, have, now, have uh, you know, decided to incarnate in this time in history together. And so a lot of our teaching tools are going to be the same. Finances is one of those things. Finance, business, success, health body image, relationships, sex, these are all things that will be uh, ways that we learn. 
ways that we learn. <clears throat> because these are things that um, are outside of us that we have been, uh, that the collective consciousness seems as very important. <laughs> very, very important. And so, um, you know, what I was gathering from Mark's share and what I felt inspired to uh, contribute based off of Mark's share, which is a really beautiful share, uh, a very clear share to Mark. Really, really well done. I love watching you move through this process, and I am excited to see how it continues to grow for you. Uh, is this idea that uh, I'm going to invite everybody to really contemplate this week? And it was something that uh, Venerable shared with me, and I never really, I mean, I kind of got it, but it wasn't until I really dug my roots deep into the spiritual community that I that I fully understood it. Um, and that's, she said that it's our relationships which are our most uh, important form of currency. Our relationships are our most valuable form of currency. And if you consider that, like, you know, okay, so Mark was talking about his beautiful apartment, what he had right now that are the signs and displays of abundance. Well, because Mark is a part of this community, a spiritual community, because he has developed relationships, loving relationships, because he's of service, and he's devoted his life to being of service and supporting other people, what he's doing is he's developing these um, really, uh, you know, getting a strong uh, account, <laughs> energetic account within the community. And so Mark's worst case scenario, the worst thing that could ever possibly happen to Mark in this scenario, his worst case scenario looks like my guest room. You know, his worst case scenario looks like my guest room and borrowing my car. And that is an abundant life. I'm not saying, I'm not, you know, making any premonitions. What I'm saying is because he is developing deep roots in a community, a spiritual community, I think is really where it's at for me. That's been my experience because we are a community that has, we're teaching ourselves the uh, how to be a service and we are teaching ourselves how to be compassionate. We're teaching ourselves how to be available for one another. But because of his relationships, he will never go hungry. Because of his relationships, he will never not have a place to lie his head. Because of his relationships, he will never not have, uh, you know, uh, arms to hold him or someone to lift him up. And that's true abundance, you know. Prosperity, Holmes calls prosperity well-being in every area of your life, general well-being. In other words, it's all your needs are met. It has nothing to do with, like, you know, raining bills, you know. It's not about millions and millions of dollars. That might never manifest for you. But are all your needs met? And if they are, then you can shift your perspective and declare your abundance. Eric Butterworth, which is who we're studying uh, in the other group right now, 
uh, wrote a book called Spiritual Economics, and uh, he talked about this sort of epidemic of onlyness, where we look at what we only have. And he uses wonderful example of working with this with your with your money, because bills are just symbols of limitation. They're symbols of limitation because they have a number on it. And that number is a symbol of limitation. This bill is only worth this much money. But if you turn it around to the green side of the bill, so on the black side of the bill is the number. If you turn around to the green side of the bill, it says, in God we trust. So you flip it from a sign of limitation to infinite possibility, to infinite abundance. And he said, start giving from the green side. In God I trust. In God, I trust. And what that means is you develop the ability to believe. And we're talking about our belief because it's really, you know, brought home in these texts that it, it is done as we believe. So we're developing the ability to believe that we live in a loving universe, that our greatest good is always unfolding, that the best case scenario is ready to present itself. But we have to believe that it is so it can present itself. And this is living an abundant life. This is living, utilizing the resources of your true abundance, your relationships. And it's a powerful, powerful way to move about your life. And it um, releases any appearance, any need for the appearance of lack. It's a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful share mark. Thank you all for sharing really great stuff. So, is there anything you'd like to add, or does anyone have anything else they'd like to contribute? Soki, you still with us? Yes, um, <laughs> I had been with my iPhone for eight years, and now my son sent me his Android. That's why I'm having challenges, you know. Hello? Can you we hear you? Yeah. We, challenges yeah, we hear you. Challenges back and forth to the phone and to mute, you know. So I... Thank you, Mark, for such a prosperous sharing about prosperity and abundance and I appreciate it and I learned a lot that prosperity really is the state of mind it's not only in terms of money but what you said Jess is really very important relationships it's also like seek ye first the kingdom of God and everything will be added unto you and I think that you know that song seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Hallelujah, hallelujah. So it's going back in alignment to the kingdom of God that is within. And relationship, first and foremost, to ourselves. Knowing who we are is very important in developing relationships to all other 
fellow human beings, and not only to living things around us, but also the non-living things, just like our car, our bed, our kitchen, our bathroom, waking up in the morning with gratitude, so grateful for all these miracles that is unfolding right here, right now. Hello? No, we hear you. So, am I sharing now or just reacting to Mark? <laughs> no, share. Yes, of course. Okay, all right. You can do whatever. You can respond okay, to Mark. So, <laughs> thank you, Mark. You, and when you said that, when we did the, the spiritual mind, the, the GODS exercises with partners, with you and all other uh, partners in this uh, spiritual community. Before words could come out from my mouth, I feel it first because English is not my first language. And I have experienced praying the GODS, you know, with my tongue mumbled, but like what Mark said, it's the feeling that it's there that is very important. And I feel it even before I say it. Uh, being, yeah, as English is my second language, I know that the Divine Holy Spirit is talking, and and I listen to the Divine Holy Spirit in my heart, and let it express through me, in my smile, in my thoughts, in my words, and in, even in my silence. Especially in my silence, because that is where stillness speaks. I am so grateful for this spiritual community. I am walking along with beloved friends who are with me in a non-judgment community who walks our talks. This is the best Group that I have ever met, and I said, I, 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 I'm very grateful for that because there is no judgment, and I'm growing with each one of you every day, deepening my spiritual practice and knowing the truth of who I am. You help me remind me of my divinity as the divine Soki that I am. When I asked your help, please call me Divine Toki. Because I need to remember who I am all the time. In every breath that I take, the truth of who I am. Because that is the authentic Toki that is me. Regardless of any material things that I don't have. It's like I don't drive. I don't have a car, I don't have a house, but I feel so prosperous. I'm rich, I'm so blessed. And one thing that uh, that has happened to me through this month being with this spiritual community is that the to-do versus to-be, 
that is what is very important to me. Even on Saturdays, I have so many commitments, really, really commitment that has happened to me. There are Saturdays that I was doing this class in the hospital, inside the car in a parking lot in the hospital. Many times, I have a lot of unavoidable family uh, incidents or events that I need to do class. on Saturday morning. So that to do versus to be. But I know that if I will prioritize the to be, that is who I am, seeking you first the kingdom of God in my heart, which is my divine truth, the to do list it's God's work. The how of the things that I would like to do is God's job, not mine. My job is going back to that my to-be list. And I'm so grateful because every night I do the water practice. And I meditate before I sleep. I am because I, I have noticed myself becoming a calmer, more calm before. Oh my God, I, I worry a lot, but now I am calm. And in the quiet silence of meditation, the absolute silence, I am in alignment with the truth of who I am, which is the divine in me. I practice, I do the water practice, I do my meditation before I sleep and when I wake up. And I could feel the difference. People come to me for help. That's why I, at first I was so hesitant to share. But they ask me, my coworkers ask me, my friends in Facebook ask me. When I started recording the, you know, I I I I just recorded myself in my in my phone the morning cycle prayer and I uploaded it in Facebook. I got so many private messages from my friends asking for the prayer, and I shared them. They're in the Philippines, they're in Australia, they're in Rome. And my son in, even my son in Virginia. And at my work, oh my God, we're, it's, it's a joke because I really don't want to talk about this. But people come to me and ask me. How many of my coworkers come to me? And we started to form the SAC. It was just, well, we're just joking about it, but we, we have an SAC at work. We call it the Spiritual Activist Collective. And when they ask me about the things, then I share them. Everything that I've learned here. But I do not share until they ask because I'm so afraid. I have the fear of, you know, oh, is this? She's talking about nonsense. Who is she? You know, but... I, well, Silky, I'm going to pause just for a moment and just suggest 
too. And I just want to say, first of all, I want to say, Soki, that um, your life, just how you live and walk about on this planet is a demonstration of the possibility. I think it is a, I think that your enthusiasm, your natural state of just uh, your lightheartedness and um, your sort of childlike enthusiasm for life is what many of us work towards, the release of cynicism and the embracement, the embracing of just the good, our loving hearts. And so I just want to really bow to that in you because you do that so beautifully and I just think it's so wonderful to see you express and share and that so many people are getting on the bandwagon with you because of your demonstration, because of your loving heart, because of your light, your magnetism. Uh, and what you just, you just said something that I think is really important for everybody to be mindful of, and it's that she said, I don't share unless I'm asked. And that's actually a very enlightened approach to this work. Um, because often, you know, we get really enthusiastic about this work, especially when we're learning so many cool things. We're having a lot of insights and aha moments. And, and we see uh, it change in our life. A lot of times we immediately think of people in our immediate, uh, you know, our relationships that could benefit from this work. <laughs> and you think, I'm going to tell this person about this, I'm going to tell this person about this, and they should find this, they should find this. Well, what I've learned from that approach is I've had a lot of people tell me to go my Monday <laughs> somewhere else. Because, you know, this work is personal work. And truth be told, we're not everybody's teacher. And so Ernest Holmes actually, uh, that was his approach. He said when he began this work, when he, he decided he wanted to be a uh, counselor, a practitioner professionally, he got an office, and every day, he would, it was in Los Angeles, he would take uh, the bus to work, and nobody would come, and nobody would come, and nobody would come, and he couldn't pay his bills, and he was like, well, I'm not demonstrating the principles very well. And so he decided, I'm going to wait until I'm asked. I'm going to wait until I am asked to teach. So he went and he got a job as a city planner. And while he was there, he would teach through his demonstration. Now, this is what, Soki, I'm going to... I'm going to suggest you are masterful at doing. You teach through your demonstration. And that's truly uh, the purest form of teaching that we can do. We teach the efficacy of our choices through the appearance of our life, through how we show up. Like Brandon said earlier about how he modifies the way that he speaks to people in customer service situations if he feels... Um, but he's being triggered in some way because he is a brand ambassador to not only inspire spiritual community, but to these teachings. So demonstration is, is vitally important, but Holmes waited until he brought a book into work and one of his coworkers said, hey, is that one of the books that you kind of talk, talk to me about? He goes, yeah, he goes, can I read it? And so his coworker read it and a week later he came up to Holmes and he said, is this what you teach? You teach this stuff? And he goes, yeah. And he goes, would you be willing to teach like me and some of my friends in my living room? It's only like eight people, but I would love to share this with them. And he goes, 
Of course. So he waited until he was asked. And within a year of that invitation, he was teaching to sold-out auditoriums of 2,500 people. And so it's that idea of getting out of the way of how we think things should unfold. We stand in our truth. Holmes stood in the consciousness, because remember, practitioner is a consciousness. He stood in the consciousness of practitioner. He continued to do his work. What I say is he continued to do his work is he continued to go within, to remove the blocks that prevent an awareness of love's presence in his life. He demonstrated the principles. He was demonstrating the efficacy of his choices. His choice to live in love. And people saw that. And that ignited within them the impulse to ask him to stand in his truth, to stand in his uh, calling to teach. So when you say, I wait for them, I wait to share it, that's actually a beautiful approach, Sophie. And it doesn't have to be fear-based at all. It could be wisdom-based. Because the most evolved teachers that I've been around speak very little. And they often just speak or they often teach when someone asks them. Because if we're going in and we're giving unsolicited advice, that's just judgment. That's just us saying, I know how you should live your life. And the truth is we do not know what is best for anybody else. Rarely do we know what's best for us. So I just would really like to bow to that insight and invite you to hold it differently and just say, you're available you're ready. You're divine, Sophie. Your life is a demonstration of the good that is unfolding um, as a result of your practice. Anyone can see that. That's why we, you, you don't have to ask us to call you divine, Sophie. You just are. You show up as that. So it, it's, a, it's a natural fit, you know. And keep shining your light. Keep doing your thing. And, of course, people are going to notice. And, of course, people are going to say, well, what are you doing that makes you so happy? And that, then you're available to show them. So hats off to you, Silky. I just really, it's just such a delight to see you do your do so beautifully, so masterfully. Your light is shining bright. And again, I'd like to just say to everyone, you know, I, I'm, I'm observing all of you and the, the growth and the expansion and the expression that is, uh, that is uh, just, pouring out of each of you. It's just so wonderful. I just am I'm humbled and I'm uh, just so pleased to see all of this and to experience it with you all. So um, we're going to take our break. We're going to take five minutes. Uh, it's 9.36, so 9.41. We'll come back and we're going to review all of the material. What it's going to look like, kids, is this. Uh, we're going to do a review uh, session today. Next week, Jennifer Hadley will be teaching. The week after that, we will be doing a uh, final exam in class. And how we do that is everybody is on the phone. And uh, then I will uh, give you a question. And then there will be five minutes of silence, and you'll write it down. You'll write the question down and begin your response. After about five minutes, I'll give another question, and you'll do the same thing. And I'm not sure how many questions we'll actually have, but we'll have a few. Each answers a little bit of an essay answer, a couple paragraphs each. And then um, after we reach the last question, I get off the phone, and you have two hours to complete the exam to go back and uh, you know add on to any of the previous questions. 
revise them, do whatever you'd like to do, and get them to me. Uh, and you just email me your responses. All right? So, uh, so we're just going to do a little more review today. And uh, so I'll have a little break. So five minutes. Uh, I'll see you back at 941. Potty, refill your tea. You leave your phone on and on mute. Talk to you soon.
Okay, we are back. Oh. All right, so um, I actually need 30 seconds, everybody, so talk amongst yourselves. Why don't you guys check in with one another? Okay. How are you guys doing? <laughs> I'm still here. Did uh, did Jennifer or Zach join us? Well, I guess not. Well, I'm sure they're with us in spirit. Um, Mariah Carey, top charting hits. Discuss amongst yourselves, maybe. I think we should all talk about our favorite Mariah Carey song. (laughs) (laughs) So if you guys really want to see a Mariah Carey performance, that just is amazing. Like Mariah, when Mariah was like really Mariah, Google like a live performance of Vanishing. Ugh, her voice. My God. All right, so, but that's for next quarter. Next quarter, we just study the work of Mariah Carey. Um, <laughs> <laughs> can you imagine when I really, like, second year is mostly just uh, <laughs> devoted to mysticism as it pertains to Mariah Carey music lyrics, um, which I feel is vitally important for any emerging spiritual teacher to um, understand. So, let's... Uh, uh, again, just sort of open forum uh, for like just five minutes or so. Let's just share um, takeaways. Uh, just a few thoughts on it's up to you uh, and the reading that you've done with it's up to you. Just share your thoughts on the book. Uh, your, maybe your favorite parts. There's a reading specific reading that stood out to you, um, and then we'll go in a little deeper. But why don't we start with uh, Mark? Okay. Um, <laughs> what I really appreciated about the book was um, it was it was tangible. Um, I mean, I think that was probably part of the idea behind the book was that um, it was about taking a lot of the concepts we we explored in science of mind, but to to put some practicality around that, some actual practices. Um, even though we did get some in science of mind as well, um, this just was more succinct for me, which I generally prefer. I'm kind of like a cliff notes kind of guy. Um, I like to, you know, get the bigger, bigger stuff um, rather than the more detailed part of it. Um, you know, there were so many things I think for me in in going through this book that um, was interesting because there were things that I was like, oh, I'm kind of already doing that, but I w- wasn't doing it. Um, I wasn't necessarily doing it in the most effective way. So I, I felt like um, the book was really good at helping me kind of hone and tweak some of the practices I was doing to, to just have them be more grounded. Um, and again, more grounded, maybe more effective, and not necessarily that meaning that my life is looking different. It's just that I was connecting with the practice more. Um, and then that in itself, I guess, does open the space for 
you know, feeling better and more joy, more happiness, just because you're you're feeling more connected to what you're doing. Um, I of course love the last chapter as I would because it was step by step, step one, two, three through ten. Um, so that's always something that I get excited about when there's like a really clear outline um, of what to focus on and what to what to work with. Um, but Again, um, again, there was so much here, but just in general as a reflection, I, I really found the book to be an easy read, very practical, um, and, and relevant for me uh, with where I'm at. Cool. Brandon? Hi. So from the first page on to like the last page, and obviously it is an extension or um, more of the same of living a science of mind. But I honestly, whenever I remember anything I'm going to read in these two, like a year from now, I'm not going to be able to differentiate between which book is which, uh, which is the good news. Because I wasn't inundated with a ton of new information and I was learning, I think, Mark was saying this as well. I was learning, you know, maybe maybe the science of mind is um, kind of like a big overview scope, and maybe this is like a little like companion companion guide or the little, um, you know, if you're really really interested in making this an everyday thing as opposed to just a general text then, you know, you can consider this little guy. It seems manageable. So, um, uh, yes, and also I completely agree with what Mark was saying. Because we're dealing with these metaphysical ideas that once used to baffle me, and now when I got the introduction to Science of Mind, um, the Living the Science of Mind, the actual text, I, I started to see a structure to everything. And then it, again, it really did an awesome job. At, um, because I noticed in Living the Science of Mind and in It's Up to You, every time I would see them go, first, you do this, and then you do this, I would go put a one next to it, then I put a two next to it. And, what, and because along with this being an art form of living, it's a science, and I really appreciated the science of, you know, the actual pattern and um, uh, deliberateness uh, of, of whatever we were trying to do or uh, learn in each chapter. So um, obviously, yes, the last chapter was significant for me and is going to be a quick place to go and review whenever I'm like, wait, what did I learn? What have I learned? And so... That was that was my experience from uh, both and how they blended for me. Beautiful, Silky. Silky, are you on mute? Hello, can you hear me? Yes, I can. Yes, sorry. 
So I love it's up to you. It's short and brief. And the last chapter really is very, very helpful. The 10 steps. And uh, yeah, the most significant uh, thing that I love here are two words because when I ask my partner, I, I'm telling my pa- my partner, my fiance, oh, I have a, we have a new reading. First time I said, oh, this is our, our book, Living the Size of Mind. Then she, she did not take it. This is our second book. It's up to you. And she took it because it's small. And she turned on the page, and the two words that, he, that she read is gloriously happy. And that has become our mantra every time we wake up in the morning. To fill our hearts with glorious happiness and affect the world with glorious happiness. My partner is, uh, is a nurse in the city of Hope. And she deals with cancer patients every day. Sometimes 90 patients in a day. With the glorious happiness in our heart. And the glorious, that glorious happiness that we each bring to each other and to our workplaces and we come home again with that glorious happiness in our, in our heart and I, we, we said oh, from now on this is our mantra and we live our life demonstrating glorious happiness coming from within thank you so much I love this book thank you and Martha um, well, I like the whole book, but I like like the little short affirmations for certain things that I think that will help me. Um, I also like like the the examples that he gives, or you know, like the stories and stuff. Um, that was your powerful one, the one that uh, where he talks about um, I don't know if it's men or woman that is thirsty while all along he's standing in a lake that. If he would just look down, he would have, you know, pure water to drink from. Meaning, you know, we have everything that we need if we would just look, you know, or realize it. Um, I also like, like, the the last chapter, I think that's really good, the, the steps. And, of course, it ends with the last one. I think that one was powerful for me, the one about religion and how it's you know, makes me question, you know, am I getting the most out of my practice? Um, that was powerful. So that's what I got out of this. <clears throat> well, I'm so glad you brought up the last chapter because we're going to read it together now. Uh, it's a very short chapter. So uh, Martha, why don't you start? Martha, you'll go first, and then we'll go Martha, then Mark, then Brandon, then Soki, then Jesse. And everybody will read a page. And if your um, sentence bleeds into another page, just finish your sentence, okay? So, Martha, you begin. So, we'll go Martha, Mark, Brandon, Soki, Jesse. Martha, Mark, Brandon, Soki, Jesse. Go for it. How do you build a ladder of personal achievement? There are 10 steps which I believe will help you live happily and successfully and in so doing help you to help others in the glorious game of living. So let's start with step number one, overcome negative mental attitudes. Your basic thought here should be, 
I can if I know I can. Negative thoughts will produce negative results, while positive thinking surrounds you with an atmosphere which tends to draw good into your experience. Successful people do not permit themselves to think of failure. They occupy their minds with positive thinking. This doesn't mean arbitrary or dogmatic thinking. Rather, it means a sort of good-natured flexibility with yourself because you are the greatest single asset you will ever possess. Practice thinking affirmatively, hopefully, about everything you do, and this must include everything, your health, your happiness, and your success. Have a bright, happy, and cheerful outlook on life. Feed your mind with nourishing thoughts just as you feed your body with nourishing food. Feed your mind with faith, hope, and enthusiastic expectancy. Replace every doubt with a faith stronger than the doubt. Step number two, learn to stop worrying. In the first place, worry is an acquired habit. You didn't worry when you were a child. It is the greatest energy waster we have, not only depressing the mind, but the physical system as well. It actually congests and retards circulation. If you study the worry habits, you will find that you are either worrying about the past or the outlook of the future or the things that are happening today. Worrying about the past will not help anyone. Never look backward except to learn from experience. You do not have to carry negative experiences along with you. I guess I'll start. Um, Sorry, Mark. I know you're on your uh, Kindle. Um, Each day, say to yourself, the past is gone and I need no carry longer. No longer, excuse me. The past is gone and I need no longer carry it along with me. Loose it and let it go and look forward to the future with hope. Build up a great idea of yourself, the way you would like to be and work toward it knowing that God is your partner and friend and wills you to be happy. Think, feel, and live this. Step number three, overcome any sense of inferiority. To begin with, realize that life has made you a little different from anyone else. You do not have to imitate. While you can and should learn from others, you can never be anyone but yourself, and no one can be you for you. Suppose you take this thought, if God be for me, who can be against me? Do not be afraid to look yourself squarely in the face. Do not be afraid to analyze your negative thoughts so that for every denial of your good, you can affirm the opposite. This thing we hear so much about called the inferiority, inferiority, I don't complex, (laughs) is, is after all only a mental outlook on life. It is merely a denial that there is a power greater than you are, a power great enough to overcome every obstacle. Step number four, think about your personality. It is through your personality that all, other, all outside contacts are made. Who are you anyway, and where did you come from? You didn't create yourself, did you? Your personality has its roots in a divinity within you, in God, who is present everywhere. And since God has made you just a little different from all others, you need never be ashamed of yourself. 
We always admire capable people, but the ones we really love are those who bring joy and happiness into our lives. Hmm. A lovable person means more to us than just a person of great personal achievement. One we love, the other we admire. And it is better to be loved than it is to be admired. This makes the whole thing rather simple. Love others and they will love you. You never have to impress people. If your attitude towards others is one of friendship, your personality will take care of it, of itself. Step number five, learn to make your work easy. The one who works the easiest accomplishes the most. Of course, this doesn't mean that you are not to put the best you have into your work. It means that you can let the burden drop out of your everyday activities. You are not carrying the world around on your shoulders. It is sustained by a power greater than you are. And the game of living isn't intended to be a sad, heavy, dreary affair. Easy does it. It's a great motto. When the strain is taken out of what you're doing, you can do three times as much without any sense of fatigue. You generally find that it is mostly yourself, not your work that needs to be changed. When you get up in the morning, think, I'm doing this thing and doing it with joy. This will really produce efficiency. Here, as everywhere else, know that you are in silent partnership with God. Try to feel that you meet God in the office, in the home, on the street, in people everywhere. Somehow or other, As you meet God in people and in things, God seems to meet you. Step number six, count your blessings. Did you ever make an inventory of the good things in your life and write down how much you have to be thankful for? Are you glad that you are alive? Glad that you have a family and friends? Glad that you have the opportunity to express yourself? Glad that there is a great certainty coming into your life? A feeling that you belong to the universe in which you live? When you count your blessings, don't omit the little ones. Counting your blessings will help you more than most anything else you could possibly do. Step number seven, learn how necessary it is to forgive both yourself and others. A little note there. Did not the great teacher say, forgive and ye shall be forgiven? You cannot be a radiant personality if you hold grudges or resentments in your mind. In taking this step of forgiveness, remember that you cannot practice this attitude with lip service alone. It must be a thing of the heart. Learn to say with James Whitcomb Riley, O thou who dost who doest, who doest, all the who doest all things devise and fashion for the best, help us who see with mortal eyes to overlook the rest. Martha? We have to create one great blanket of forgiveness which can be summoned up only in the world in the word love, and love alone is best. Step number eight, getting along with others. Only mentally sick people become hermits. If you don't get along with others, it is because you are afraid of them and because you believe they can in some way rob you of your own security. But getting along with others doesn't mean that you always agree with them. It means that such disagreements as you have are not harsh or unkind. But how can you get along with others unless you first learn to get along with yourself? If you have been too critical of yourself, 
take a piece of paper and write down everything about yourself you think is admirable. And don't forget to put down your hopes and longings because they are prophetic of what you may become. And as you think of others, think of the things that are admirable about about them. When you talk of them, these are the things you should talk about. People like to be appreciated. This is more than a Pollyanna attitude. This is an ability that great and rare people possess. It is the ability you will always find in those who are surrounded by many friends. And it is as simple as this. See the good in yourself and in others and build on this. Expect everyone to be friendly and you will lose all self-consciousness and meeting people. There are really no great and no small. We are all just human beings trying to get along together. Step number nine, take prayer and affirmative meditation into your personal achievement. Prayer is not something that should be reserved for the emergencies of life alone. Your whole life should be a prayer. Prayer is both a skill and an art, and in certain sense, it is the mental process through which spiritual power flows into your everyday living. Prayer hooks up the dynamo of the mind with a power greater than you are. It is your line of communion with it. Prayer should be affirmative. I wish you would get out of your New Testament and read again. I wish you would get out your New Testament and read again all the prayers of Jesus. You will be amazed at how affirmative they are. They are like recognitions of God's goodness, of life's abundance, of the peace, the poise, the power, and the love that are at the center of everything. Step number 10. Get the most out of your religion. I have no way of knowing what your religion may be, but I'm sure you have one, and I know it is good. The question is not whether you or I have a religion. It is, are we using it? Are we getting the most out of it? If you want to get the most out of your religion, you will have to share it with others. When people are gathered together in prayer and meditation, a great field of faith is created which multiplies the faith of each individual member in which can react on all who are gathered together. There is only one institution in the world where you can find this gathering together in unity of faith, and that is the institution of the church. Your, your letter. letter. Oh. Go, ahead, go ahead, Brandon. Thanks. Your letter is pretty complete now, but like all ladders, it is meant to be climbed. Use it to go from where you are to where you would like to be. It is a ladder of hope, of faith, of expectancy, something that joins you with the invisible and with all others. Climb it rung by rung, and it will join the heavenly within you to its counterpart in your personal achievement. I love it. So, um, I'm going to read a couple things from uh, Living the Science of Mind. Living the Science of Mind. I'm going to invite you to write them down, and then we'll discuss them. The time has now come to cast aside 
any points of disagreement and to realize that we are all worshiping one and the same God. The time has now come to cast aside any points of disagreement and to realize that we are worshiping one and the same God. We think of God not as some power, but all power. Not as some presence, but the only presence. Not merely as a God, but as the God. We are to think of God not as some power, but all power. Not as some presence, but as the only presence. Not merely as a God, but as the God. Oh, God, there's so much good stuff. I'm going to read this and just go ahead and take your cliff note version of it. Everything that exists is a manifestation of the divine mind. But the divine mind, being inexhaustible and limitless, is never caught in any form. It is merely expressed by that form. The manifest universe, then, is the body of God. Everything that exists is a manifestation of the divine mind. But the divine mind being inexhaustible and limitless, is never caught in any form. It is merely expressed by that form. The manifest universe, then, is the body of God. Beautiful. All right. So go ahead. So let's talk about what I just read. And uh, I'm going to give you guys five minutes to discuss amongst yourselves. And um, Brandon, why don't you facilitate the conversation? Five minutes. Hey, Jesse, would you mind reading the third one really quick? Uh Uh-huh. Everything that exists is a manifestation of the divine mind, but the divine mind being inexhaustible and limitless is never caught in any form. It's merely what? Sorry. Never caught. Caught. Caught? Okay. In any form. It is merely expressed by that form. The manifest universe then is the body of God. Five minutes. Go for it. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to Living the Science of Mind. It has missed all of us. Um, So, Jesse gave us three statements, and I'll open up the 
for for anyone who had any immediate reactions toward either of the three. And if so, feel free to speak now. Hi, this is Soki. Yeah, for me, uh, that is all there is. I have come to a point of, you know, uh, hating my religion, the Catholic faith that I was born and raised. But science of mind and early homes taught me that all religion is a pathway to God. And I learned to respect my fiancé's decision or choice that we need to go to the Catholic Church every Sunday. And I go with her and and respect it no matter how much I I really don't like it. So uh, I've come to a point to see that all religion is a pathway to God and there is only one God. And as I see the divine in me, I see the divine in each and every people that I meet, and that is the essence of Namaste. Uh, but Thank that you, portion, sir. yeah, just a second. This is one important way. There is a portion before the communion that says, Lord, I am not worthy to receive you, but only say the word and I shall be healed. But I say in a loud voice, Lord, I am worthy. <laughs> and my partner would just be scared to say, I say, Lord, I am worthy. And at the back of my mind, oh, you're in my heart in every, you're in my heart all the time, twenty four seven. I say that in a loud voice in church. Lord, I am worthy. Sorry about that. Thank you. Thank you, Soki. What would uh, you say that you go to a Catholic church with your uh, partner? Did you say? Yes, my fiance, because that's what she likes. We go yes. every Sunday to hear the mass. In the I love that. <laughs> and in in coming with the belief that you can see divinity in all life. Yes. You know, I love that you're able to go to Catholic Mass um, and, you know, really pray for non-judgment in the sense that divinity can show up there and often does, and um, we just have to be willing to see that. So that's a great example. Um, I used to personally. I'm... I, had an ex who I would go to a Methodist church with, and um, I didn't identify as a Methodist, but I identified with the spirit that was happening there, and I could see what's happening for people in my presence. So I think that's a really important lesson for us um, as it pertains to seeing all these paths as equal and valuable. All right. Does anyone else have anything um, regard, uh, regarding initial responses to what Jesse read? This is Mark. Um, just quickly, I just want to reflect on what uh, Sophie said. I love the fact how she kind of changed the prayer to have it work for her. Um, same here when I go home. I'm always in a Catholic church with my mother, and uh, I do that as well, you know, because um, it's no matter what it is that we say, it's, it's really what, are our, what is our belief in what we're saying. So uh, why wouldn't you change it to what it is that you personally believe? So I, I think that's great. Um, you know, I also just, uh, I mean, all this is kind of saying the same thing, but specifically the last part, which is everything that exists is the manifestation of the divine mind. Um, and the, it's interesting because I think sometimes it's really challenging to look at things that don't look 
fair, don't look good, don't look joyous. Um, and we want to say, well, that's not God. Um, that's not part of what's supposed to be or what truly is. And, um, you know, I really, I really have always seen and always come from a place of everything is God. Everything is God. Even the things that we think are wrong, like murder and um, poverty and struggle and politics and everything else. And when you really realize that if, if we truly believe that everything is responding to law and everything is responding to divine mind and desires, then any kind of response is the perfection of God. It may not look how we think it should look, but it's only our ego that believes it should be some way or another. And I think I love how this really just kind of steps into that conversation that it's, it's our work is to really recognize and see God in everything, not just the things that we disagree with, but also the things that actually look like it's anything but God because there truly is nothing that's outside of God. It's just our perception that it's not. So um, I really love that. Great point, Mark. And I, and for me, I'm seeing the personal and impersonal in the, the statement that everything is a manifestation of divine mind. So um, how would you explain the personal as opposed to the impersonal in that statement? Well, the, the impersonal is the law. So, you know, everything's cause and effect. So if, if, if any one of us, including ourselves, is having an experience, we're just simply interacting with the law of cause and effect. There's something within us that's having us have that experience. Um, the personalization of it is the experience of it. Um, so it's, it's the desire of, of what is there for us and uh, and and then being in the experience of it. All right, I'm going to leave it at that. I, I think I, I think I got the difference between personal and personal. Um, you let me know. I I I love that, and I I asked specifically for clarification for myself because I thought I think you're definitely onto something because that's such a strong statement to have to work with. Everything is a manifestation manifestation of the divine mind. So it's like, you know, what about murder? What about, like, politics? What about that, you know? is How is that a manifestation of divine mind? And if we're looking at something as personal and impersonal, divine mind can literally just be how we create with the cause and effect. And the personal is um, the place I'm coming from in creating and thus viewing and thus judging and thus um, experiencing the world around me. And, uh, you know, I think uh, that's just a huge piece that we can chew on for a bit. Martha? Brand, uh, Brandon, Go actually, yeah. I, I just wanted to ask you, uh, because uh, uh, you've come out of the closet as being in uh, a 12-step program uh, yes. here, so I'm not... I'm not uh, breaking the anonymity here. You broke your own. Uh, <laughs> um, uh, what would you say, and this is open to the group as well, what's the difference between, um, what's the difference between uh, law and principle? 
the difference between law and principle? Yep. Uh, um, well, now I'm trying to think of how this applies to uh, uh, 12 sets. But law is um, like the vehicle, and I think principle is what's riding in the vehicle for me personally. So if I'm um, activating, you know, uh, honesty in a situation, the law is that honesty is going to appear before me. Okay. Does anyone else have any thoughts? Law principle? This is Mark. I'm just, I'm just going to be transparent that, it, yeah, quite honestly, I'm not exactly sure what the distinction is, so I'm, I'm interested to learn. Mm -hmm. For me, law is like gravity. It's there. It's law. You cannot uh, change it. <laughs> it's law. Uh, the principle is how we, we, we practice the law. I'm sorry, that, that's how I, that impresses me. That's actually very good, Silky, yes. Let me read you this little segment. Actually, I've been investigating this, and I found this on a uh, website about physics, and I thought it was actually the clearest <laughs> explanation. I really liked it. So it's the principles are all around. Principles in physics are more like guiding ideas than anything. Um, Fundamental principles in physics and fundamental laws of physics. A principle tells phys uh, physicists how the world works in general. Principles tend not to be specific rules that you can write down in mathematical terms. Instead, they're more like guiding theories that allow scientists to make predictions about new phenomena and develop new laws that clearly explain the phenomena. Laws are on paper. In contrast, to the sometimes wishy-washy wording of principles, laws are perfectly clear. This is because physicists define laws with mathematical statements. You cannot subjectively interpret mathematical statements, which makes them more reliable than principles, in clearly defining the rules of nature in a way that all physicists can agree on. One key difference between a law and a principle is that laws have no exceptions. Physicists prove a law via the mathematical of physics and prove make no room for exceptions. Principles have a tint of uncertainty, mainly arising from their lack of clear mathematical definition. For example, the uncertainty principle, a uh, curiously named principle of quantum physics, states that when you measure two aspects of a physical particle, such as measuring both the position and velocity of an object, you can never know both of the aspects with perfect precision. While this principle does not have a mathematical form of its own, is guided, as well as good principles do, physicists to develop specific mathematical statements for specific cases, such as position and momentum of a particle moving in a box. So, um, principles oftentimes, I think, are um, can be sort of categorized under spiritual qualities. So like some principles are honesty, acceptance, surrender, commitment, faith, courage, willingness, humility, unconditional love, joyfulness, open-mindedness, God-centeredness, awareness, vigilance, loving discipline. I've been writing all these down. Sharing and caring, patience, forgiveness, optimism, selflessness. Name a few. 
Uh, and like a law would be the law of cause and effect. And so this is as mathematical as we get in spirituality. You think it, you create it. It's as it's a law as just like gravity is a law. Uh, and our job with cause and effect, and that's really the main operating law in this realm of experience that we are playing in, that we're participating in. Um, a lot of real mystic teachers would say that we're adventurers here, uh, gathering research to bring back to the collective, um, that we're not, like many Course in Miracles students would say that we pretty much are stuck here, <laughs> and we're trying to you know, get our way out. Uh, the more loving approach would say that we're adventurers here, that we are collecting in data to bring back to the collective to say, yes, this is what, uh, you know, the great experiment of separation, this is what we've learned. But in this realm that we are all playing in, cause and effect is a law. So it is a law. Uh, you, it, what you think you will create, your perspective, your beliefs create the world around you. There's no getting around it. It's impersonal, which means that whether you believe it or not, whether you know about it or not, it is active right now. It is governing the creation of our experience, our collective experience and our personal experience. So the law is impersonal. Now, practicing forgiveness is, you know, that's our principle. We have found that to be uh, you know, forgiveness, true forgiveness is seeing the innocence in other people and that is the method in, that we use to um, free ourselves from the cyclical pattern of sort of life and death, you know. But it's in this willingness to the principle that will bring us back to an awareness of our oneness with God. So it's a good discussion to continue. Uh, and one to just put into your contemplation list for the week, for sure. I would really like to thank you, Brandon, for facilitating that little segment of review. And I really would like to say to each of you, um, I'm really impressed this quarter with this group. Your um, ability to comprehend, your comprehension levels have been very high, um, uh, it's been my experience with all of the practitioners. And, you know, a lot of us came into this program with experience before and what this quarter served as, or this module, I'm trying to call them modules more than quarters, uh, is uh, clarification of some terms, clarification of some uh, principles and laws, clarification and understanding, deeper understanding of it. Some of it's new material for a lot of people. But whether this is, you've been doing this for a little while or you're brand new to this sort of uh, approach to your spiritual life, I'd really like to commend everybody because, like I said, the level of comprehension is pretty astounding. And I really feel that it's the collective consciousness working through all of us. Um, the readiness of everyone is working through our readiness and our comprehension and our ability to apply these principles, forgiveness, unconditional love, compassion into our daily lives as we master the law of cause and effect. So uh, I just really bow to each and every one of you, your brilliance, your beauty, your willingness to do this work. It's been very heart opening for me and I hold the space that it's heart opening for you as well. Um, so why don't we just go around, we have four minutes left in class, there's four of you guys 
So everybody gets one, let's say everybody gets 30 seconds to just share some gratitude. Uh, and we'll start with Martha. Thank you, Spirit God, for this class and everybody in it and everyone in the world. Amen. Mark? I am so grateful for this this group, my community, um, and to remembering and being in practice with that I am not an island unto myself. And uh, my greatest growth comes in my relationship with others. Mark, you are not an island unto yourself. You really aren't. I'm so, I love you so much. Um, Soki. I am so grateful and thankful for this, for my spiritual family and I I'm gloriously happy to be here right here right now with you thank you so much yes Brandon I just wanted to say thank you so much uh, I actually the seventh suggestion in the last chapter of it's up to you said you know basically track and count your blessings and I immediately did a gratitude inventory that I keep as a, a draft document in my G- Gmail, and you've all been included in that. This whole experience has been included in that. My heart, and from the bottom of my stomach up to my chest, has been swelling, um, and I've been thinking about the expansion that is occurring and has occurred and continues to occur whenever I pray with you all, whenever I pray for you all, whenever I feel the prayers coming towards me. And it's been such a magical experience because I was considering last night that when I was up late at night reading from my O magazine as a teenager and reading about like the self-help and the spiritual stuff, I always wanted a community who got it, who knew it, who was doing it with me. And the closest I could find was church, and that never fit um, quite right. And this feels like such a beautiful fit. And we don't—I don't feel like we are um, so much students as we are practitioners. We're learning and growing and expanding and teaching, and it's a spherical experience. And I'm growing every way, and I know that is true for everyone in this group. So thank you so much. Amen. Amen to that, yeah. Well, let us just declare that as our closing prayer, and let it also let us also declare that as our springboard to go forward in the rest of our day as we go forward with an open heart and open mind and perfect congruency and gratitude in life and in love. Oh, so grateful, so thankful. And we release this word. We let it be sharing all the benefits with everyone because we want to thank how good it is to know that we are getting good medicine. Hmm. Um. Really quick, I have a little special request. Uh, who's planning on being at service tomorrow? I'm, I will be there 10 thir- before 10.30. Okay, you'll be there for, uh, you're going to be there to do your practitioner hospitality? Uh, yes. yes. Okay, is anyone else coming a little later? I'll be there. Yeah? Yep. Oh, you know what? I think you'd be good for cake, too. Uh, listen, it's, uh, it's my husband's birthday on Tuesday. And, uh, you know, I, I uh, really, 
Chris is a big reason why we have a center. Chris is a big reason why we continue to have a center. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I'd really like to, uh, I thought it'd be nice if the community gave him a birthday cake and acknowledged his, uh, his contributions. And uh, I can't do it or else it's going to be, the secret will be given away and I'll just <laughs> surprise him. So uh, would, you be, uh, would you be willing to get a cake? Yes. And then, uh, what to, just what kind of cake does he like? He's a vanilla boy for sure. He likes vanilla. Uh, you can do vanilla, vanilla on vanilla or something. I don't know. Okay. You. Great. Uh, and just save the receipt, and uh, we'll reimburse you. Okay. Okay. And cool. I think we have candles. Get candles just in case, and uh, mm-hmm. that'd be great. And then be sneaky with how you go about it. Okay. Sounds good. All right. All right. Cool. Um, all right, guys. I love you. Have a beautiful, wonderful day, and I will talk to you soon. Bye. 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 Love you all. Love, Love you, you. everyone. Love you too.
With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. <laughs> 